Welcome to Address the Taste. I'm Scott Carter with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production in food and beverage that are shaping the industry. We're here today to discuss branding and design with award-winning creative director Ian Jensen. Ian is an expert in turning vision and strategy into tangible assets that impact consumer behavior and brand perception. For nearly 20 years, he's worked on, for, or with some of the most recognizable brands in the world, including DirecTV, TaylorMade, the NFL, REI, Adidas, and more. He's a proud San Diego State Aztec alum and not one to bet against on the golf course. Ian once said, what I love about design is that it can help you take a complex concept and turn it into a simple, easy to understand message. Ian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Right. So Ian, you know, you're, you're really busy these days meeting with uh, a lot of companies and doing a lot of work across packaging and advertising and what are some of the trends you're witnessing in branding and design here in 2016 where, where things just seem to be moving faster than ever? What are some of the trends that you're seeing? Well, one thing about trends is that they ultimately end up costing you a lot of money. Um, if you, to use an example from fashion, you know, one, a, trend, a big trend in the 70s were bell-bottom jeans, but now when you look at it, they look sort of ridiculous. What everyone really should focus on is, is trying to find a solution that's timeless, like a classic blue suit, never gone out of fashion, always looks contemporary. Um, so in chasing a timeless solution that will stand the test of time, not only will save you money in having to redesign any component of your brand, but ultimately will hold up and, and I, I think builds credibility. That's a really good point, Dan, because you're right, it seems like fashions and fads, I mean, the cycle now, whereas it used to be years, almost appears to be months sometimes, where you know, a certain color will be in and out of fashion before you even have have a chance to adapt. Um, are you seeing, uh, you know, in the marketing world right now, any certain applications that are coming back around a little bit? I mean, it seems to me that there just is a push towards cleanliness and simplicity and cleanliness and simplicity, which, which may or may not be a, a broader statement about some of the chaos that may be going on in, in our ever-connected lives that are moving so rapidly, but um, are you seeing design itself shift in any one particular direction? You know, I think uh, more than anything, maybe a health-conscious consumer looking for um, a healthy choice as well as a taste choice is is definitely a contemporary. Uh, and I don't think I actually think it will become the new timeless solution for a lot of brands. Um, it's just something that with the, with the increase in media that's available with the internet and you know people people definitely have more personal education on what's healthy and and they want to eat things that are appropriate to that lifestyle you know there's there's uh, you know a recent event up in Anaheim where the largest organic you know food manufacturers and producers and retailers were there seemed to be a trend that I noticed when I was walking the floor there, and someone I, I met yesterday pointed this out as well, which is that in the natural spaces and in the organic food spaces, which is rapidly growing, uh, it seemed that design is evolving from 
almost a cliche of the earthy tones of browns and greens to you know more vibrant colors and, and different cleaner designs and you know it, whereas traditional serif fonts were really the way to approach organic to show that you were wholesome uh, it seemed that to me that design was being pushed to you know perhaps you know following you know generally maybe Apple's lead of just cleanliness and, and just a clean image as opposed to something that's a little bit more cluttered with a lot of textures and stuff and uh, you know considering that the you know supermarkets are already somewhat overwhelming experience uh, I think that consumers might might welcome maybe a little bit of a toning down to a little bit more simplicity I'm not sure if you're noticing anything like that but uh, it seems like any repackaging that I see by any brand regardless of size or industry tends to be towards cleaner design right now the um, one perspective on that migration or, or is one to stand out from all the other browns and greens you know uh, a brand could choose to zig when everyone else is zagging um, from my perspective a brown and green palette for something natural and organic is a natural starting point because it's a, those are tones you know their product is, is celebrating being from the earth and you know, it's a natural spot. Um, I liked your analogy to Apple. Um, the the contrary way to go is like, well, let's talk about the benefit of eating this product. It's, it feels light, energetic, makes you feel good, makes you feel great. You know, that, that lends itself to bright colors, you know, lots of energy maybe in the photography. Um, so it's really celebrating the benefit versus the ingredient. Um, mm -hmm. Apple Apple's famous, is most famous for its marketing. And when it when it was emerging as a platform in the 80s, computers were sp sold with one sort of philosophy, and that was speeds and feeds. Like how fast is the process? How many things can I plug it into? And Apple came along and sold the experience and benefit of using their product, and that it was easy, and you will enjoy using it more than you know a brand that was selling based on speeds and feeds, which was super technical and only meant something to computer people. You're trying to speak to more people, which ultimately will lead to more sales, you know, you want you need to reach them on their level. And so if a brand can reach them on the benefit level more than the ingredient level, then that's, you know, a valid um, concept to chase. So let's stick with that, you know, discussion about strategy and understanding your audience and understanding what your product is and, and trying to communicate that through design. You know, one of the biggest challenges CPG companies face is simply getting noticed on the shelf and sometimes this can be overcome with shelf talkers and the like but, but when it comes to packaging are you better off emulating what others are doing or stepping out from the competition which could arguably confuse the consumer about what your product is how, how do you suggest that a company approaches that that challenge I think, I think it's purely tied to what is that company's essence if they are a leader in the industry, leaders don't look over their shoulders. They're trudging full speed ahead. They wouldn't emulate packaging for their competition. They would be, you know, being true to themselves. Um, if you're a challenger brand, I think you need to study your competition. But I don't think it's to to become closer to them. I think it's it's to attack their, you know, possible weaknesses in the, in their package. You know, what can we highlight that they're not that 
may sway a consumer thinking we're a better choice, a better value, a better quality, a better taste. There are a lot of better than that, that you can try and highlight in your packaging that maybe the leader in your category may not be um, addressing. You know, it, and, and not all brands are as enlightened. You know, there's, there's aisles in there where, you know, two raisin brand packagings are virtually identical. And, you know, I can't imagine what the strategy is behind that. You know, let's let's trick them into buying our package. Uh, you know, so, you know, it's a it's an odd decision from a um, from a design perspective, at the very least. So, so let's name some names. Let's who, who do you right now? Who do you admire? What you know? What should others be looking at for leadership and inspiration? Who's doing something different? I think one of the um, largest emerging movements in all. Uh, marketing is social consumerism, and you know it's it's been made famous by things like Tom Shoes and Warby Parker with their one-to-one gift back models. And I've seen a couple um, food products in the aisles that uh, are going that way as well. I was in a, a store and there's there was a brand called Boxed Water, and it was water being sold in a carton. And I'll tell you what, it stands out on the shelf compared to all the other bottles of water. And what their concept was is that the packaging was made out of re renewable resource, as in trees making the paper versus plastic bottles, and that their packaging was more recyclable, and they had a give-back model where they plant trees for with 1% of their revenue that they give back to planting trees. So it was an amazing social perspective on a packaged goods. And I think that's that's a especially to younger generations, millennials and younger, those, those, those things push them over the top of making a decision. It doesn't matter if it costs more. They like to connect to a bigger picture concept. That concept, and certainly in that instance, is more authentic, we could say, correct, that they're embracing that they are water. <laughs> that, that they're banking that by embracing that they are water and nothing more than water and not trying to claim to be any sort of special water so from some, you know, they still they still had something like that. Absolutely, they still claim the water is top notch. It, it says it has a five-step filtration process, delivering pure hydration. I mean, what more do you want from your water? Your water's water, and so a lot of water marketing is pure branding exercise, and they come at it from a a, a very social-minded concept that um, you know could push people to change the water they, they buy. So the emotional appeal in that instance may not necessarily be that, you know, th this water will make you feel that you're in an exotic location or that, you know, this water has, you know, certain energy and power that it will give you. It, it's a different emotional appeal. So let's stick in with the boxed water concept. W what is the emotional appeal that they're tapping into uh, with the consumer there. It's different, so why don't you speak to that? <laughs> they're, they're purely saying drinking our water is helping save the planet. You know, they, they even make a claim that the, the carton uh, is a lower carbon footprint when it comes to shipping the, uh, their product. You know, they sort of, no, no packet, no, no water bottle is going to be able to claim that. So. You know, that's a really big concept that is going to really resonate with the, you know, people who, shoppers who are also worried about, you know, the state of 
deforestation and air quality and you know recycling this is this is the water for them is is purely the the bullseye of what they're trying to get to so they're they're, they're hitting it out of the park because they're both appealing to a rational side and an emotional side which you know is mm -hmm. is uh, you know the, the healthy environment the health of the environment typically uh, does appeal to that so why is it so important for food and beverage fans to appeal to the emotions of the consumers is, is there something about eating or nutrition that is almost so fundamental that even today where food is so plentiful that it still activates that, that limbic system we all have that controls, among other things, instinct, mood, emotions, hunger, etc. Uh, you know, many brands have had you know, decades of success appealing to the emotions and the, uh, you know, that higher benefit. Uh, you know what? What is it that do you think about food and beverage brands where emotion seems to be successful? You know, people want to buy things, but they don't want to be sold, and so they can smell it when when you're you're coming on too strong when it comes to trying to market any product. Um, with food and the price points are relatively low to a lot of things that you that you get advertised to buy. You know, the features and benefits when it comes to food sometimes is irrelevant because we're talking about you know two dollars and twenty five cents to five dollar like products um, you know and a lot of consumers you know have very irrational for buying the foods that they buy you know it, I guarantee if you took a survey I just like it it's going to be a very common response or maybe even more common that's the one my mom always bought you know those are going to be you know and so that's what any challenger brand is going to be fighting is that my mom always bought this brand of ketchup and mayonnaise, so I've just always bought the same one. You know, it's a very unique, um, uh, well, I think even sometimes in the automotive space, you know, people always bought Ford, so they always buy Fords, and people who buy Hondas always buy Hondas. You know, they even though on paper there may be a longer benefit list to buying a different car, and same thing with food, there may be a healthier option, but you just always bought the one you bought. So it's a very unique ecosystem of, of marketing um, when it comes down to it. And I think I think the price point um, plays a role in that just because it's not um, a make or break mistake if you buy the wrong one. You can always, you know, recover from a $5 purchase. So it's yeah, very yeah. unique. It's, it's all over the place. You touched on uh, nostalgia, which is a very powerful sentiment and feeling, uh, you know, with happy personal associations that people have from their, their childhood or, uh, you know, or any time in their life that they may perceive to be this, this better day and this better time, and people are always kind of longing for that. Uh, and, and, you know, it makes me think about Coke. So let's, let's talk about Coke for a moment in a brand that every – you know, we're all familiar with, and in the past few years, and, and probably more, Coke has been you know, really talking about happiness and love and all sorts of feel-good stuff, and really never about taste. Um, what are they looking to accomplish with with these current campaigns? Because I, I believe it used to be where Coke really talked about taste. I, I'm trying to remember the the tagline back. Speaking of nostalgia, uh, yeah, they're the they. They've obviously had to reinvent themselves dozens of times over the years. You know, Coke's Coca-Cola has always been 
an innovator in marketing. You know, Santa Claus wears a red suit in pop culture because Coke put that imagery out there in its advertising of Santa Claus wearing a Coke-colored suit. You know, that was that was that's how long they've been playing this game on another level when it comes to emotions and you know trying to make somebody have a uh, a visceral reaction to uh, drinking uh, a soda. You know, they in the 70s they were they were the ones that really tapped into the emotional big concepts when they when they had a really famous TV spot where they were singing I like to buy a world of coke. Like who at the time it was that was not a trend in advertising. That was definitely a, a part of the creative revolution of you know, bringing in creatives to try and come up with breakthrough advertising, and and even more recently when they did the, um, they started putting people's names on the side of bottles. They took their logo off their product because they were so committed to trying to create that emotional reaction of somebody seeing either their own name, their friend's name. If you saw your friend's name on a Coke, they were confident that you would buy that Coke for them, not for you. And then buy another one for you, because you were still thirsty. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was a huge fan of that campaign. It's just from a from a marketer's perspective. And I read an article where that during that period, it was the first time in 12 years that they had a lift in sales. It broke a 12-year slide in downward sales, and it was purely from a concept that was trying to be emotional. They weren't saying that this Coke tastes any different than it used to. Or that the, from the competition, they were purely consumer focused and trying to create something for them, and that's you know that's that's the behavior of a leader in a category. That they didn't look what Pepsi was doing; they were focused on doing something that would help them and uniquely to them. So I'm just shocked that a creative director is suggesting that if you do something different, you might stand out and be successful. Hmm. <laughs> so. So, you know, one area that it's really difficult to stand out is, you know, the commodity products. And I recently heard James Altucher mention that more often than not, the more something is a commodity, it seems like the worse the packaging. And with the economic reason behind that being that the margins on a commodity are, are usually pennies, so there's not a willingness to spend on branding and design. I think I know how you'll answer this, but is that a flawed view? So that so-called commodity brands are picking? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely in a price war, and you know, nobody wins in a price war when it comes down to it. But you know, a bag of rice still has a competitor, and a consumer still got to choose between two, and it could be very simple, like subtle nuances, um, but in the commodity space, you're selling so many units every month that any lift of any pennies really adds up and multiplies when you're talking about millions and millions of bags of rice being sold. So, you know, it's it's just really hard to be revolutionary because, you know, committing a lot of dollars to changing things is when you're selling a product that's only, you know, got a couple pennies profit margin is really hard to do um, and you know people just want to if there is any category it's they're always buying the one they've always bought is in that commodity space bags of rice 
you know, you, you name it in that space are going to, there's definitely habitual purposes of purchases, but maybe that's the chance. I mean, you, we really see it with the emergence of store brands, you know, that come in and can swoop, swoop in and get a lot of market share because they can offer it at a slightly lower price. And if rice is, one bag of rice is the same as the next bag of rice, then um, why not? So I don't know if, the, um, if that answers the question, but, you know, when it's a commodity, there's so many more millions of units being moved um, that, you know, a, a huge uptick could happen if you just made a couple subtle changes to seem new and fresh. And, and you know, you touched on store brands, and, you know, store brands originally attacked the, you know, the more commodity market, but the store brands are, you know, private label brands, whatever you want to, whatever you want to refer to them as. I mean, you remember when it would be a, you remember when it'd be a plain white label with rice written on the side of it, and that would be it. And you can see right. now how much energy they have put into those packagings to be some sort of brand, so that they weren't dismissed as generic. Yeah, in fact, I, I recall there was a stretch where where you know we were we were going to Target a lot to get a number of things. We had a child, so we were picking up food there, and it, it actually took me several months, which is probably dozens of trips, to, to, rec to realize that their Archer Farms was their private label brand. And uh, it, it seems that it's really, really evolved so that they're almost indistinguishable from, you know, the more nationally recognized brands. And, um, and the food quality is, is, you know, catching up, if you will, as well. So uh, I, think, I think everyone's going to win with that with more options. Yeah, they, I mean, there's clearly clearly that means they were successful by when they dipped their toe in and saw that there was just a ton of opportunity and that if they chose to compete, you know, that they would have to raise their game in some way, shape, or form um, from a branding perspective. You know, you got to look like a million bucks if you want to be worth a million bucks. <laughs> awesome. Well, Ian, we appreciate you joining us with us today. You're you're always out there in the, the front leading edge of, of marketing and design and branding and I know people can, can keep an eye on what you're doing at IanJensenCreative.com and we appreciate your time and uh, as any conversation with you is, it's always insightful and just keep pushing the limit and we're looking forward to what you're doing next so uh, keep checking in. Thanks a lot, my pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Just the Taste, the Chef's Best Production. Join us again next time as we talk to more experts in marketing, retail, and production in the food and beverage industry. As always, visit chefsbest.com to learn more.